We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello and welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast brought to you by Fantrax. My name is Chris Crawford. Today is Saturday, February 24th. I am joined by my good buddy Ryan Boyer. I want to thank my good buddy Ryan Boyer for holding down the fort while I was dealing with just the worst respiratory infection that anyone could have done. It was a favor to all of you that I was not on this podcast because I sounded like Marge Simpson. Like Marge Simpson would have been doing this podcast and we don't have the rights to Marge Simpson. So Appreciate Mr. Boyer for holding down the fort. Uh, we're going to go over some headlines and also talk about some players that we think are overrated and underrated in the NL East finishing off that series. But we do have some headlines, Ryan. Unfortunately, we got to start out with some bummer news. And Kodai Senga, uh, Mets president of baseball operations, David Cerns, announced Thursday that Senga has been diagnosed with a moderate posterior capsule strain in his right shoulder almost assuredly going to begin the season on the injured list. This stinks. This is a major bummer for a guy who was awfully good in 2023. And I think a lot of people had high hopes for in 2024. Yeah. I feel like maybe almost underrated how good segue into our underrated, overrated players, but underrated how good he actually was last season. Um, Got off to a little bit of a slow start, if I recall, but he was just really, really good down the stretch. Right. They initially said arm fatigue, but, you know, and the hope was you don't want, want to get too worried about, you know, your normal spring training soreness, but this is a legitimate injury here. I, I know they – someone was talking about one of the national writers that Senga, when he came over from – from overseas, he had some like irre- irre- irregularities. Yes, in his uh, like his tests before he signed his contract with the Mets. Um, so I guess there were kind of some underlying injury concerns that might be why they got a fairly favorable deal. I would say five years, seventy-five million. Right. Um, but obviously, he was he stayed healthy last year, so. Yeah, it's a it's a bummer. The only I guess if there's a silver lining is that it occurred now and not right. after most people have have drafted. Sure, because he certainly was going to cost a uh, a premium draft pick. Um, as far as how long he might be out, 
TBD. He's going to be shut down for a little bit. It's just going to be determined, be determined after he see how he feels after the shutdown period. And he's going to ramp back up. Obviously I would certainly count on him missing at least the first month of or so of the season. Um, probably Tyler McGill is going to slide in that rotation. Joey Locasi was decent last year. He's got a chance as well. It does not sound like the Mets are either going to sign a outside free agent. Some are still out there in the market, obviously. Also, some of their better pitching prospects. Stearns mentioned that he would like to give them more seasoning as well. Uh, Vasile, am, am I saying it right? The one of their better pitching prospects who's reached AAA last year. He could be ready fairly early, but it sounds like they'll go with uh, maybe a Tyler McGill, uh, Joey Lucchese combo, which is just is absolutely thrilling to Mets fans, I'm sure. Yeah, what a difference the look of this rotation has from last year or even just two years ago. Um, other names that have been mentioned as possibly getting starts are Jose Budo and Max Kranick. Um Adrian Hauser, pretty much, I think, a lock now to make the rotation. Yep. Do you think his fantasy stock obviously goes up a little bit just because of the fact that he is now guaranteed a starting spot? Are you interested in him at all for 2024? Not really. Um, maybe like a, a points league where you're you know, you're looking for more of a sure. steady innings guy. Um, but, yeah, it, it's going to take a lot now for him to lose a rotation spot, I would assume. So – Pretty well assured uh, a good number of starts, but the the ceiling for Hauser's pretty low. Yeah, I would agree with that as well. Um, speaking of low ceiling, high floor, the Marlins did something I think really interesting. I think everybody was expecting Tim Anderson to kind of land with the Miami Marlins, but it is now official. <clears throat> a one-year, $5 million contract that was signed on Thursday. Tim Anderson was terrible last year. He had 245, 286, 296. That is unplayable in real life and fantasy that is an awful line but over his last previous four seasons this was a guy who hit 318 347 474 the marlins are kind of fun i don't think the marlins are very good i know the marlins are flawed but this is kind of a fun little lineup and i think a pretty decent little landing spot for anderson as well yeah it's a totally sensible fit um yeah. I, I when it first was reported a couple weeks ago that they uh, kind of had Tim Anderson on their radar. I sent out a tweet that the it's a it's a fit that's so obvious that I'm surprised that the move hasn't been made yet. Right. Um, pretty good. I mean, pretty good deal that they wound up getting. I think as well. That's it's pretty modest. I'm not gonna not usually in the mode of giving handshakes to owners, handing out cheap contracts, but right. Um, I mean, I was mildly surprised, I would say, that the White Sox didn't pick up Anderson's option just because I thought they were going to, you know, give him a shot to bounce back. I think it was like $11.5 million or something like that. Obviously, he wound up being paid a lot less than that. But, yeah, just a disastrous season that completely came out of nowhere. I mean, you read off those numbers that what he had done the last, the last four seasons that just one batting title, I think. He's certainly been in contention for multiple. Right. Um, he had a, a knee issue, I know. Um, 
that surely affected him. There were also some off-field stuff uh, that he dealt with that he was pretty forthcoming about. We did, don't really need to get into that, but yeah. you never know, know how that can affect the psyche of, of someone as well. Um, hit a ton of ground balls. I, I know as far as qualified hitters, he had the lowest ground ball rate, I think, or a lowest fly ball rate. I think it was like 17% or something like that. Just crazy. He just killed fly balls all year, Ryan. I watched oh a video gosh. of it. I watched the highlight tape. It was one of them was a homer. One of them was a medium. His, his uh, one home run of the season. Yeah. 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 Um, <sighs> but yeah, I wanted to play a little bit of a, uh, a game with you real quick uh, because Tim Anderson in NFBC leagues is being out, drafted about the 22nd shortstop right now. And I want to give you a couple names that are going higher and a couple that are going lower. And I want to see whether or not you prefer those guys. I like uh, games. Let's do it. I'll start with my, my son, JP Crawford. Are you taking JP Crawford over Tim Anderson? I would take Crawford over Anderson. Yes. Okay. Jordan Lawler is going ahead of him. Would you take Jordan Lawler ahead of him? I would not, not in a redraft. I'm, I'm going with Anderson. Diamondbacks have basically already said that Perdomo yeah. is going to be the starting shortstop. So correct. Zach Nito. In a redraft, I would think I I think I would roll the dice on Anderson bouncing back. We Angels have already said that um, Nito's going to bat ninth. Yeah, um, I, I would take a shot on Anderson. Orlando Arcia. I, I think I would take a shot on Anderson as well. There, um, Arcia had a pretty solid year, and he's in a obviously tremendous lineup, even though he's batting. Probably going to bat ninth or eighth or ninth, something like that. Uh, right. But yeah, I would. I, I think I would probably gamble on Anderson with the thought that if he flops again, certainly distinctly possible, you can probably find an Orlando Arcia type production on the on the waiver wire. Okay, two more for you, Mason Win. <sighs> Redraft. I would. I think I would do Anderson. Pains me as a Cardinals fan, but. And then finally, and I think this is an interesting one, Von Grisham. I would go Grisham there. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that's just – the reason I wanted to play that game is, like, none of those names are getting drafted over Tim Anderson last year. Yeah. Like, and it just goes to show you how much the stock fell from just an awful 2023. And there are flaws in that skill set. Like, his patience at the plate does True. not exist, and it's not going to exist. And we, we know exactly what – Tim Anderson is going to be, but a little bit better battering average Paul's in play luck, a little bit more uh, chance to, I think the Marlins lineup is certainly better than the White Sox lineup. Another thing I don't think we would be saying in 2023 instead of 2024. Heart downgrade, but yeah. I mean, yeah. he's not a huge power guy anyway. You're exactly. hoping mostly he's bounces back in the, in the average department. Maybe. Yeah. Some I, I, I just think it's a really interesting case. Like I, I get, people who would be drafting him hoping that he's the middle infield bounce back. But I think it would be a really big mistake relying on him to be a starting shortstop because there sure. are some really good options out there. Uh, one final piece of news we wanted to talk about. It looks like Reynaldo Lopez is the favorite to be the fifth starter to break camp with Atlanta. I'm extremely skeptical of this mainly because um I don't have a great memory anymore, but I do have memory of what Reynaldo Lopez looked like as a starter, and it was bad. Atlanta has done a wonderful job with these type of pitchers, Ryan. 
Number one, would you have Reynaldo Lopez in the rotation ahead of guys like Bryce Elder and a few other options like AJ Smith Sauber? And number two, assuming he is in that starting rotation, what kind of fantasy profile are we looking at? I would not personally put him in the rotation. However, I do – I mean, when they first signed him and mentioned that they were going to stretch him out with a possibility to start, I immediately dismissed it. Um, and I still think the bullpen is the best spot for him. However, if they're going to do it, it does make sense to put him in the rotation at the beginning of the year. Right. Um, stretching him out and giving him some starts and then – pulling back and putting him in the road in the back in the bullpen is a lot easier to do than vice versa. So from that perspective, it does make some sense. Um, don't know what kind of workload he's going to be capable of. Right. Um, I assume they want to get him stretched out to where he can go five ish innings at the beginning of the season. We'll see how, how much he gets built up. Um, there is an element of kind of having some trust in the Braves because yeah. Alex Anthopoulos is everything he touches turns to gold lately. Sure. And obviously Lopez is going to have a ton of offensive support. Right. Um, we should note that, I mean, this is neither Reynaldo Lopez nor Bryce Elder have thrown a pitch in spring training yet. So a lot can change over the next month. Absolutely, um, but th- this is just kind of early speculation that Lopez is probably in the pole position as we sit right now. But a lot can change. Uh, El- Bryce Elder, terrific first half, um, has the distinction of being a Triple A opening day starter and also an All Star last yeah. year. That's kind of tough to do. Sure, uh, then folded like a cheap lawn chair in the second half. Yeah, he's a low upside guy, but. You know, he's a perfectly solid number five. I, I do think he's going to wind up making more starts than Ronaldo Lopez. Um, Hurston Waldrop, I think, is the the big wild card there. I, I think they're going to push him fast. The Braves are not shy about doing that. Absolutely. Um, Smith Shaver is interesting as well. Um, so they have options, but looks like Lopez probably – Thinks they're right now going to get the first shot. Um, I think he's a deep league flyer type. Also with the thought that he's been so good in the bullpen the last two years that even if he does go back to the bullpen, which is very likely, I think, could provide a little deep league value in that regard as well. Yeah, especially with so many leagues now making the move over to holds as a five-by-five category, I think. uh, And because, you know, as good as Lopez's stuff is, he's not going to be the closer for Atlanta. He's going to be a high leverage type reliever. And like you mentioned with their offense, he's either going to come out of the game with a lead as a starter and get you a win, or he's probably going to come out of the game with a hold. So there is some value there. I think the Waldrop point is a great call. I'd still like AJ Smith Sauver quite a bit. I think his stuff is exceptional. He didn't miss bats at the rate that I thought he would at the highest level, but lots of guys struggle in their first taste of MLB action and end up going to have on going on to have quality careers. And Atlanta, like you said, has done an awfully good job of doing this. But I do think it's important to point out and that Ronaldo Lopez, if he isn't on your deep league flyer list, he needs to be for sure now. Uh, we're going to take a quick commercial break. Uh, And then we're going to talk about some overrated and underrated, including that Atlanta team, 
uh, that we are looking at in 2024. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Fantrax is the most customizable fantasy platform in the industry, offering the greatest fantasy experience for your dynasty, keeper, redraft, and best ball leagues. Coming from another service, Fantrax makes it easy. Fantrax can import any of your current leagues and customize if needed. Fantrax also offers the most in-depth player pool in the industry, including minor league players. Do you need a customizable commissioner service for your fantasy league? Fantasy Fantrax offers more customization than any other platform waivers categories scoring system schedule fantrax offers solutions for all of that and more best part of all of it it is free and if you sign up for free today you'll be entered to win an official mlb signed jersey from vladimir guerrero jr you simply go to fantrax.com slash rotowire and sign up today that's f-a-n-t-r-a-x.com slash rotowire fantrax the home of fantasy sports all right, let's start with the NL East. Well, we're actually finishing with the NL East, but let's start with Atlanta just because we were talking about them and because they are first alphabetically. Uh, 
Ryan, I'm not surprised that you have this guy underrated because I think I've known you since 2016, and I don't think you've shut up about Chris Sale in those two years. Uh, I, yeah, I, I guess I have been kind of uh, – last year I know I, I talked him up a lot, and then it was ultimately <laughs> uneven – um, 2023 season finished with a four three zero ERA. XERA though a lot better three six one. Still missed plenty of bats. Twenty nine point four percent strikeout rate. Still found the plate a lot. Just a six point eight percent walk rate. That slider. Maybe he doesn't spot it as well as he used to, but it's still devastating when he when he can. Thirty eight point nine percent whiff rate. Two forty nine expected woba. Great start finish to last season. Zero or one earned runs in five of his or four of his five September starts. He also mentioned that this is his first quote unquote normal offseason that he's had since 2018. I think that can be overlooked when it comes to pitchers, especially. Um, of course, there are reasons why he hasn't had those normal off seasons. He's been very injury prone, but I, I think there's something to be said for just having a normal ro- routine. Um, and again, it's trust in Braves and Alex Anthopoulos. Sure. Uh, they not only traded for Chris Sale, but also immediately extended him. That gives me some, a little more faith as well. Um, you know, you're looking at an NFBC ADP since February 1st of 141. I think that's fair. Also, think that there's still room for a good amount of profit there. Um, I don't think they're going to be super careful with his innings. I realize he hasn't thrown a ton, but this isn't this isn't a 25 year old. Um, you know, he is under contract now an additional year. So they want him to be as healthy as possible, obviously. And they want him, you know, sharp and rested for the postseason. But, you know, he had around 100 innings last year. I, I, I don't think there's any reason he couldn't throw 160, 170 innings. And if he does that, he's going to strike out 200 batters. Um I don't know what the consistency is going to be, but I know that he's going to miss bats and he's going to have a lot of offensive support. Um, probably a better target in in your uh, season-long roto than maybe head-to-head where sure. there could be ups and downs, but I do like Chris Sale where he's, where he's being drafted. Yeah, I think so too. I just think you have to be ready for the injured list stint. It, it's going to happen. And you also have to be ready for the suspension because of these fanatics uniforms. Like he's absolutely. <laughs> I knew you were going to throw that something. Oh, good. In there. I could, I could go on for three hours on how bad these things are and how, well, I, I did. I I was surprised when I went on the, uh, the Rotowire fantasy baseball show on Sirius XM. That was the first question Jeff asked me was about those dang, see-through pants which are just and i love that they're trying to gaslight people and say no they're the same thing as last year okay sure thanks guys the just like the just like the baseballs they've been using yeah, exactly. are the same year. exact same major league baseball come on but yeah i do we're like that the, call 
We're going to have the expose in the athletic next off season about the, about the pants and testing that was done. And <laughs> guess what? Matter. We determined they weren't, they weren't the same. Oh, it's just pathetic. Um, but I, I do like that call quite a bit. Uh, I'm kind of surprised that I'm going with this guy because I think Ryan, you and I were a little bit skeptical of Michael Harris last year. I'm not skeptical of Michael Harris anymore. And the fact that he is being drafted barely as an outfielder one right now is kind of insane. Like this is a 22 year old that was in the 98th percentile and expected batting average last year. And I get it. There's frustrations because his approach at the plate and leaves a lot to be desired. It's not quite Tim Anderson where a walk is like a uh, sworn testimony against his family or anything like that, but it's not great. And he swings at a lot of pitches outside of the strike zone but he hits an awful lot of them for hard contact. And I love this Atlanta lineup. I love the fact that he's going to get to drive in and be driven in by an awful lot of really good players. The fact this guy sometimes is going like 40th or 50th in drafts just doesn't make any sense to me. And I do get the outfield is loaded. It always is going to be loaded. And there's some really good players, but I am not taking Luis Robert over Michael Harris. I am not taking Adolis Garcia over Michael Harris. And I'm seeing that consistently in drafts i think that's a huge mistake uh on the other side of things it's nothing against matt olson but he's being drafted on average with a top 15 pick in nfbc leagues no thank you i'm not taking a first baseman in the top 15 there are just too many good options out there for me to draft a player like matt olson that high has nothing to do with his skill set i think his power is as prestigious as any player in baseball and he's going to probably drive in 130 or so runs but i have question marks about if whether or not he's going to help in the average category i have some question marks about i know he's not going to help in the stolen base category so he really has to live up to the hype for the home runs and the rbi and any type of injured list stint for him and you're not going to get the necessary value to take matt olson with that high of a pick if he somehow falls to me at the top of the third round i'm really excited or even the bottom of the second round top 15 i can't do it yeah, I get that. I mean, Olson definitely has a very safe floor, I think, but there's also an element of paying for a quote-unquote career year. Sure. And as you mentioned, the batting average, his strikeout rates have been have fluctuated a lot. Yes. And because of that, you know, you're you're worried about the potential for the average, not bottoming out, but just not helping you. And if you're going to use a pick that's that premium, he's got to at least be a little bit of a help in, in the batting average department, especially if he's not giving you stolen bases. Sure. Um, for my overrated, I, this was tough for me. Yeah. Um, the, the Braves are so good. Mm-hmm. Um, but I went with Marcelo Zuna, and he's 33 and – had a 675 OPS from 2021 to 2022. Yeah. Um, he has had the inconsistency. He's had season long inconsistencies. I I do not anticipate he's like going to bottom out as he has done at times in the past. But again, he's going into his mid thirties and he's, been so up and down. Um, he's going to be utility only going into the season. 
not outfield eligible. You look at other players who are util only, Eloy Jimenez, J.D. Martinez are being drafted way later than Marcelo Zuna. Could also throw Byron Buxton into that mix. He's going to pick up outfield eligibility soon, but he's also utility only for now. They're all going way after Marcelo Zuna. Just think with the NFBC ADP since February 1st of 151, there's more probably downside than upside there. Would totally agree. Uh, let's move on to the uh, the Miami Marlins, who we spent time talking about in the first half of the show as well. Um, I'll just start with Jake Berger. I don't understand this one either, Ryan. Like he's going an average about 175th in NFBC leagues. That doesn't make any sense to me. It does not make sense to me that guys like Brian Hayes and Alec Bohm and all due respect, I love Junior Caminero in the long term. I'm not drafting those guys over Jake Berger. In the second half of the year, Jake Berger was not just one of the best third basemen in baseball. He was one of the best offensive players in baseball. And there is some prospect pedigree here. There has been some success, obviously dealt with some major injuries. And the concern here is obvious. Like, is he going to hit for an extremely high average? Absolutely not. I'm not even sure if he's going to hit for an average average. I know the power is going to play. This guy, I don't care what park he's in. He's going to hit the ball out of the park. And I think this Marlins lineup is underrated. I think there's going to be some real RBI chances here. I think we're seeing a player who's just stepping into his prime as well. It would not shock me at all if Jake Berger was a top five third baseman in 2024. Yeah, Berger. And also, after joining the Marlins, really cut down his strikeouts Yep. um, while still hitting for power. I I don't know that you can count on that improvement being sustainable, but even if it's not, I mean, he just – he could be – he hits the ball so hard that he can be – productive with a 30% strikeout rate. Um, I I think as long as he stays healthy, which you mentioned the, I think he blew out his Achilles twice, just absolutely devastating, Mm -hmm. but that's well in the rear view mirror at this point. And, you know, even if it comes with a, not a great average, I think if he stays healthy, 30 plus home runs is is a pretty safe bet. Moving on to a guy who has the exact same body type as Jake Berger, and that's Yuri Perez. Three one five ERA, one hundred and eight thirty one strikeout to walk rate, and ninety one and a third innings, covering nineteen starts last season. His slider, his curveball, his changeup all had at least a forty six point two percent whiff rate. Top ten in all of baseball for all three of those pitches. And, oh, by the way, he throws 99 as well. That fastball was actually surprisingly hittable. That's uh, a little worrisome. Sure. Maybe it's a little too straight. But, you know, with those other weapons and that velocity, I I think he'll ultimately be okay with with that heater. Keep in mind, he did this at 20 years of age. He's going to turn 21 in April. Um, there are some workload restrictions, but, you know, in be- between the majors and minors, he threw 128 innings in 2023, you know, 160 plus innings, I think is perfectly doable. And he's, he's one of the rare, very young pitchers who you don't really worry about throwing strikes. He's always been a supreme strike thrower and the stuff is just insane. Yeah. 
He's, so he's going to be a whip asset. He's going to miss bats. He's going to be an ERA asset. I just, it's very difficult for me to poke any holes in his ability other than the workload. And I'm not even sure that's a huge obstacle this season. He's not going to throw 200 innings, but I think he's going to throw enough to be just dynamite. NFBC ADP is 80. And I, I just think that's a little too late for the guy, for the guy with that kind of upside. Uh, moving on, on just real quick with Yuri sure. Perez. I watched a lot of Yuri Perez and I'll do my whole scouting background type of thing. I think the thing with Yuri Perez is hitters sat on his fastball because they had no choice but to sit on his fastball because yeah. you have no chance against the other pitches. Like if he commands his secondary offerings, there's nothing you can do about it. Like even yep. if you guess on his curve and on his change, you're donezo. If he locates it and he locates it a lot, whereas if you guess fastball and you're just hoping for the best, you can have a little bit of success even if it has elite movement and it doesn't like you brought up. This guy's stuff is just stupid. Like, as good of, I got to be honest, this whole Andrew Painter versus Yuri Perez type of thing, Andrew Painter has a chance to be really good. I think a lot of people have said um, some silly things about Andrew Painter being better than Yuri Perez, if I'm being honest with you. Um, Our buddy uh, PJ322 does bring up the fact that they said they are going to limit Perez's innings long run 2024. Yeah, that's the one concern but I'd rather have him and know that I'm going to have to make an adjustment somewhere else. And you're going to get him late enough, even if you overdraft based on what we're talking about. But yeah, that is a very good point. That is the one thing you have to be cognizant of. Yep, for sure. But like I said, 128 innings last year, if you expect a, a 40 inning jump, I mean, he's still going to be extremely valuable. Moving on to my overrated Love Luis Arise. I, I I love different kind of baseball players that can have success just do, being completely different than other guys. Luis Arise definitely falls into that bucket. However, for fantasy, he hit 354 in 2023, still finished as the 13th second baseman in fantasy, batting 354. That shows you how very little he accomplishes other than that average. That's crazy. He was somehow even more aggressive last season. 51% swing rate. He had a 93.8% zone contact rate. The major league average, by the way, is 82%. And this number is just absolutely mind-boggling. 87.2% chase contact rate. <laughs> he goes out of the zone, makes contact 87.2% of the time. The MLB average is 58%. <laughs> like it's, he's built to hit for average. There's no doubt. Yeah. But I mean, you can't count on him in hitting 354 again. Um, if you take the over under 320, I'll, I'll probably take the over. But again, he hit 354 and was still the 13th best fantasy second baseman. He's entirely roster dependent um, based on your roster build. If you have high average guys already, I mean, you just, you can't even consider him at all. The only scenario is if you happen to have a build of like boppers and also speed guys, and you could just use a little jolt of average. 
But given where you have to take him, right at 160, I, I just it's just too high. Uh, I I can't imagine having a roster build and being at that point in the draft where I click Luis Arias' name. Yeah, I mean, and that's it's not really an insult to Luis Arias, but like you look at guys like Edouard Julien and Jorge Polanco and Brandon Lowe who go up behind him. I think that's just in a, a much more upside with those guys. Like, and if anything goes wrong, if any Babib luck goes away, that's really going to be pretty tough for me to justify taking in that range. It's also yeah. difficult for me to justify Jazz Chisholm being the 52nd pick in drafts in NFBC leagues. I get it. Talent is immense. The power speed combination. But this is a guy who has not played over 100 games the last two years. He had 60 in 2022, 97 in 2023. And there's just so much swing and miss and so much contact issues. He literally has to max out in power speed combination. The rates might be okay when he's on the field. And again, I love Jazz Chisholm. He's one of my favorite players to watch. But like outfielders like Nolan Jones are going behind him. I'd much rather have Nolan Jones for the 2024 season. Christian Yelich, Kyle Schwerber, Brian Reynolds, all these guys going later. Some of those guys going significantly later than Jazz Chisholm. The ceiling for Chisholm is higher than those guys, but the floor is so much lower that I'd much rather have the outfielders that I mentioned. Yeah, and can I just say, uh, it's I, I find it a shame now that the the Marlins have signed Tim Anderson that Jazz Chisholm isn't playing second base anymore because that middle infield swag factor oh, in Miami. Are you kidding would me? Be, would be off the charts. That that double play combo would be very very fun. Absolutely. All due respect to Luis Arise, but sure. yeah. Chisholm, I mean, he just – he is what he is. If we get that 150-game season ever, he's going to be a first-round fantasy talent, I think. Um, but I just don't know if we can ever count on that happening. Moving on to the Metropolitans. Mm. Um, for my underrated, I'm going to go with Brett Beatty. 597 OPS, 27.1. Strikeout rate in the majors, not great, Bob. Did have a 43.5% hard hit rate, made some solid contact. Look at the production in the minors, eight, nine, 981 OPS, 10 home runs in 32 AAA games, 900 OPS, 24 home runs in 129 AA games. Just 24 years old, um, the opportunity – is there the pedigree is there i just think he's being written off very quickly for a guy who was a, a top prospect and has crushed it in the in the minors and he's going to have the opportunity at third base I, I know they're hopefully wanting to mix in mark viento summit at third base as well but right Beatty probably not going to play against lefties, but I suspect he's going to be in there every day against righties. Still believe in the bat and at an NFBC ADP of 428, he's just, he's not being drafted at all in shallower leagues. I, I think he's a very good option for your deeper formats. Moving on to overrated. This is admittedly a half-hearted overrated. I had a tough time picking one from the Mets. 
feels like Chris and I are picking on the first baseman after he went with Matt Olson. I'm going with Pete Alonzo. Sure. NFBC ADP of 27. Before Marcus Simeon, a half round ahead of Vlad Jr., 60 picks ahead of Christian Walker, who if you look at their stats the last couple of years, they're actually shockingly similar. Um, batting average risk more so than the other top first baseman. Um, I don't think it's a huge risk. I, I think he was a little bit unlucky. I don't believe he's a 217 hitter or whatever he was last year. Um, he's absolutely going to hit for plenty of power. Again, this is semi half-hearted. It, I don't have any problem with Pete Alonso being a second round pick. Honestly, mm-hmm. he, he just, I, I'm probably not going to be the one to take him. So that's basically all this boils down to. Yeah. I think that makes an awful lot of sense. Um, real quick on Beatty. I'm a big believer in him long-term. I think he might be just one more year away. I'd like to see just one more jump. And then, but you know, he's being drafted as like the 22nd, 23rd. And I wouldn't hate having him as my corner infielder to begin the year, knowing that's a position I could address. And if he does live up to the hype. Um, and I think you hit the nail on the head with Alonzo too. Like it's nothing against him. There are just some really good first baseman options and you're probably going to have to overdraft in order to get a player like that. This is also why my overrated just to start there. I couldn't come up with one, but I'm going to go with Edwin Diaz. And the only thing reason I'm saying that with Edwin Diaz is you're probably going to have to draft him as the first or second closer off the board. If I'm drafting the guy who is the first or second closer off the board, I better be drafting a guy who is the closer for a really, really, really good baseball team. We just told you about the New York Mets rotation, guys. Are you sure that the New York Mets are a really, really good baseball team playing in one of the most, if not the most difficult divisions in baseball? I just don't see it. If he slides to me, great. Like if I get him in with pick 75 or something like that, I'm super happy about it because there's no denying that his stuff is better than any closer in baseball and his success rate went on the field. But we're talking about a guy who missed an entire year who's going to be playing for a team that to me looks like a 75 or so win type of team. Maybe you get a lot of save chances with that, but maybe you don't. Maybe that, and it matters so much. Like the strikeout rates are great. The ERA, great. You have to get the save chances. And if you're taking somebody that high, he better be guaranteeing you 40 to 50 save chances. And I don't think that we can guarantee that. Um, My underrated, Francisco Alvarez, I think he was better than people really put together. And one of the big things here is he's so much better of a defensive player than a lot of people put in their mind, he was ranked yeah. he ranked 87th in defensive value, which is really good. I mean, it's a 22-year-old catcher hit 25 home runs, and there's no denying this guy has power. If I can get him as my starting catcher and I avoid the position, like I'd take him over guys like Jonah Heim with all due respect to him. I'd take him over guys like Kiebert Ruiz, Bo Naylor, um, Luis Camposano. I think he's better than those guys. And the average was um, problematic and I think will be going forward. But if I can get a starting catcher who can give me 35 home runs and 100 RBIs and I can draft him where he's being where he's going, which is around 160th, I'll take it. Definitely some risk there. And it would be the type of guy like normally I'm not drafting a backup catcher. But if I take Francisco Alvarez, I might want to pair him with some one of those guys that I mentioned just in case one of those guys is better and there is some downside to him. Long story short, I know that. Francisco Alvarez is a very volatile player. 
but there's enough upside at a premium position that I would like to have him as my starting backstop. Yeah. I mean, if you're, uh, if it wasn't for your boy, Cal Raleigh, Francisco Alvarez might be the next bet to lead the position in home runs. He's certainly, certainly up there. Um, Not going to probably provide a ton else, but I mean, he's the hit tool as a prospect was very good too. Um, I don't think we can rule out him making strides there. And I think the power is absolutely going to be there. Moving on to the Washington Nationals. Um, this is kind of a boring pick, I guess, for my underrated. I'm going to go with Hunter Harvey, though. Um, during his 100 innings with the Nationals, he has a 270 ERA, 1.02 whip, 112 to 25 strikeout-to-walk rate. Your presumed closer the Nationals over that same span, 364 ERA, 122 whip, 133 to 46. Strikeout to walk rate in 136 innings. Look, we know the deal with Hunter Harvey at this point. He's had some of the worst injury luck for a former top pitching prospect in the recent memory. It's almost all arm related. But he still threw 60 innings last year. Um you know, I, I can't bet on him being healthy, but I'm pretty confident when he is healthy, he's better than Kyle Finnegan. And Finnegan's going at 261, NFBC, ADP, Harvey going at 324. It's not a closer situation on a team that I'm, you know, necessarily targeting. Sure. But if you're in a deeper league and – Hunter Harvey, Hunter Harvey is still there at the end of your draft. I think he's a perfectly solid speculation for potential saves and also holds if if the if that's your the league format you're playing in. Moving on to overrated, I, I know we've discussed this before, and Chris has gotten on to me. Then he's probably going to get on to me again. Yeah, a little C.J. Abrams overrated for me. Um, he had an eight, an eight ninety one OPS and sixteen stolen bases in July last season. Only one other month last year did he even have a league average OPS. Um, career four sixty six OPS against left handed pitching. He just left handed batter who can absolutely not hit lefties at all. Career four percent walk rate. He's not going to draw walks. He's not going to get on base at a good clip. Um, I think the thing I will acknowledge with CJ Abrams, he, in addition to very little major league experience, he really didn't play much in the minors at all either because of injuries. And so it's possible he just takes a massive leap. Um, there's a reason why he's was regarded as one of the top prospects in baseball, Sure. And he's coming off a very fantasy-friendly season, so he could make end up making me look very dumb. I'm acknowledging that fact. But NFBC ADP of 40, I, I just find myself around that range looking elsewhere. 
Would you rather have CJ Abrams or O'Neill Cruz next year? Uh, this upcoming season, 2024. Yeah. Um, Abrams, as much about, as I love O'Neill Cruz, but how about Bobachet? I'm taking Bobachet. Okay. Yeah. I, with- and I agree with both of those. I do think it's, um, I am a huge fan of him long-term. I I acknowledge the risk. Like, I don't know if I could draft him as a top eight shortstop. I'd prefer him to be a top 10 guy. Um, I think another interesting one is Xander Bogarts or CJ Abrams. Which one of where you go there? I, I really like Xander Bogarts this year. Nice. Um, they're very, very different. So it could have been, depend a little bit on your roster build, but in a vacuum, I would prefer Bogarts. Okay. Yeah, totally fair. I I'm in on Abrams for this year, but I acknowledge that that's pretty high like that just because, and I think the other thing too is chasing stolen bases in 2024, I think is a mistake. There are so many guys who are just going to pile them up. It's tough. I I, big believer in the talent would not shock me if someday he is a perennial first round pick because all of the tools are there. But I will acknowledge for 2024, uh, there's a lot of risk. Uh, picking an overrated uh, or underrated national was really, really hard. Uh, I'm going to go with a designated hitter that had an expected Waba in the 10th percentile and Joey Manessis. I, hey, I, I, picked, I picked a setup man for my yeah, underrated, so yeah. you're, you're in the clear. I, I believe in Joey Manessa's skill set. Like he is a very difficult guy to strike out. He was still well above average in hard hit percentage, average exit velocity. He was above average in his approach stinks. He does not have a ton of power, but he was still able to drive in 86 runs. Going to be hitting probably in the middle of the order again. I get it. But for him to be undrafted, I think is a mistake. Like I'd like to have a guy like Manessa's on my bench. If you have to cut bait, so be it. I, 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 I just like Joey Manessis. He was really nice to me the one time. And I've never talked to Joey Manessis in my life. Uh, for the overrated Lane Thomas, just because of the fact that I think he's going in a range that's just a little too high for me. I don't believe in the power as much as he hit for in 2023 anyway. I think he's more of a 18 to 22 guy than a guy who's going to be approaching 30 homers. And our buddy PJ says, shocked that Lane Thomas didn't come up in the overrated conversation. Just got to be patient. I promise you, I will bring up Lane Thomas in the overrated conversation. And it's nothing against him. And I will say this too, if Lane Thomas gets traded, uh, much more into it. I just don't think the Nationals lineup is very good. And that's one of the reasons why it was super hard to pick a overrated and underrated thing, because I think every National Ryan is pretty accurately rated right now. <laughs> you know, it's funny with, with Lane Thomas. I actually, before significant ADP data came out. I kind of thought he was going to wind up being a little underrated just because he was going to be such a popular bus pick, but he's going pretty high in drafts. Um, I mean, he's coming off a 2020 guys like an NFBC over guys like say Suzuki, Evan Carter, Cedric Mullins, T Oscar Hernandez. I'll take all of those guys over Lane Thomas to start the year. Uh, by a considerable margin. Uh, sorry to cut you off, but we're going to make this a shorter show, Ryan. Let's talk about the Phillies and talk about how nobody ever respects Bryce Harper. 
Yeah, you know, it's it's about time that Bryce Harper gets some some recognition. Um, he he is my underrated. He's being drafted high, but I think he probably should still be going a little higher. Yeah, seven eighty seven OPS, just five home runs in seventy three games through the end of July last year. You might recall he made a just an absurdly fast return from Tommy John surgery. So I'm going to give him a mulligan there from August and September. Bryce Harper had a 10 67 OPS 16 home runs in 53 games. Back that up in 13 playoff games, a 10 97 OPS with five more home runs. He's gone from a kind of a, so-so average guy to a major asset in that regard. Batted, he's batted 297 the last over the last three seasons. His 162 game average over that stretch: 33 home runs, 98 RBI, 110 runs, 16 stolen bases. And again, those 98 RBI and the home runs you have to factor in that we had had that long stretch last year as well. So those numbers probably are going to be even even better. Um, he's going to be dual eligible now going into the season, first base and outfield eligible. Sounds like this might be the last year he will be outfield eligible. Um, in talking to the media, it's, he doesn't have any plans for returning to the outfield. Who knows? But for this year in 2024, though, he is he will be dual eligible. His NFBC ADP since... February 1st is 17. Um, I find myself when I'm at that one, two turn, I almost always take him. Um, I just really like getting him at that, at that spot. So I I do think he's even a guy who's a top 20 pick a a little underrated. That's fair. I, I, I like Bryce Harper. I think that Bryce Harper is pretty good at baseball. Thanks thanks for going out on a limb there. You're very welcome. I actually think there's quite a few, Philadelphia Phillies that uh, qualify here. A couple that were brought up in the chat, uh, Alec Bohm. Uh, I think Brandon Marsh is kind of a sleeper guy. Um, but I'm going to keep picking Ranger Suarez until I'm right. And I haven't been like wrong about Ranger Suarez. Just hasn't quite been, which is weird to say for a guy who had a 1.36 ERA in 2021. But 2022, I thought he was going to be better than he was. He wasn't bad. 2023, I thought he was going to be better than he was. He wasn't bad. I think the metrics suggest that this is a much better pitcher than the actual results have been. Average exit velocity in the 75th percentile, hard hit percentage in the 71st percentile, ground ball percentage in the 79th percentile, which is actually down from the 94th percentile that he put up in 2022. No, he doesn't get elite. Sw- he doesn't have elite swing and miss stuff, and he's never going to be among the league leaders in strikeouts. But this is a really tough guy to square up. He's still only 28 years old. It seems like Ranger Suarez has been around for ever but still a young pitcher and he's going to be in the middle of that rotation for what i think is a really good baseball team and that's why i'm going to pick ranger suarez as a guy who is going way too late to begin 2024 yeah he's going super late um i i I, he never sustained the little strikeout uh, um increase that he had um that one year we started the year in the bullpen, then eventually moved to the rotation. So you can't count on a ton of a ton of strikeouts. Um, but as you mentioned, gets a lot of ground balls, 
going to be backed by a fantastic uh, offense. So yeah. I like that for a super late, super late pick. Guy that's falling into the overrated bucket for me. Um, I'm going with Nick Castellanos. I, I believe it's back to Nick. No, no longer Nicholas for that. It was a Nicholas for one year. I believe he went back to Nick. Second half, he hit 235, 271, 452. He had that unbelievable run in the playoffs initially and then finished up the playoffs going 0 for 20 with 10 strikeouts in his last six games. Major reason why the Phillies were surprisingly eliminated. 930 OPS against lefties last year, but just a 733 OPS against righties. So the pitchers that he's going to face the most was a below average hitter against last year. Obviously he had a disastrous 2022. So that's still in the back of my mind a little bit. There were trade rumors involving Castellanos over the off season. The, the Phillies kind of nipped that in the bud, but anytime that stuff is floated out there, it, it does make me feel like they're not, super confident in him. Um, I think Nicholas, no, I'm calling him Nicholas. (laughs) I think Nick Castellanos is, is perfectly a perfectly fine fantasy option. Um, He's in a good spot. He should drive in runs. He usually stays healthy, but he's not going to be an elite power guy. He really doesn't stand out in any regard other than he's going to have the opportunity to drive in runs. And we saw in 2022 that, even when that's the case, uh, there's bottom-out potential for a guy with really bad plate discipline. And going right around pick 100, I, I just find myself clicking other names at that point in the draft. Why doesn't he go by Nikki? Like, if there's ever been somebody to go, he, look, he, he looks like a Nikki. Sure. Nikki Castellanos, it's that dude. Like, yeah. Come on, man. Just embrace it. Um, a bunch of people asked about uh, Christopher Sanchez. Oh. Kind of mixed on him. I think he makes a lot of sense in NL only leagues um, as a guy that I would like to have. Redraft, kind of shaky on him. How about you, Ryan? Big step forward for Sanchez. It's going to be all depend on the control gains that he made last year, whether those stick. It's an interesting profile, though, because he gets ground balls and he missed a lot of bats last year. So in one regard, in some regard, I think he might be what they were hoping Ranger Suarez has turned into. Had tur- They were hoping he would have turned into by now. Um, so I think he there's risk there. But for as late as he's going, um, I do like Christopher Sanchez as a as an option. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then my finally, the an overrated, and it's nothing against this guy. It's just based on where he's being drafted. In NFBC leagues, Aaron Nola is being taken with a top 50 pick. I can't do that. I cannot take a guy who has been as inconsistent. And I think we all remember how good he was in the postseason. And there's no denying that uh, he's had lots of success as well. But for a while here, Aaron Nola was one of the biggest busts of the 2023 season, and he had some ups and downs in 2022 as well. Like, you look at some pitchers that are going after him, like Tariq Skubal, Logan Webb, Framber Valdez, Blake Snell, Freddie Peralta, and I'm not super confident all of those guys or any of those guys will be better than them, but they're going much later. I'd much rather take the risk on those guys later in the draft 
than drafting Aaron Nola to be my starting pitcher one. Aaron Nola can't be my starting pitcher one. If he's my starting pitcher two, I feel really good about things. Like if I could pair him with, hey, his teammate, Zach Wheeler, or if I have somebody like uh, Kevin Gossman, who I know I said was overrated in the very first thing we did in these shows, but you know, there's no denying his fantasy success or Corbin Burns or those type of guys. Yeah, that's great. But if I am relying on Aaron Nola and a, a couple people bringing out that he's going to give you six innings and four runs 20 times a year, that's, that's very funny. And that's kind of what my point is. Like Aaron Nola is a really good real life pitcher. Aaron Nola is kind of a flawed fantasy guy. Yeah, he's he's kind of at this point um, like a – remember Ricky Nolasco every year? Like his, peripherals, yep. <laughs> his peripherals always said he should be better than he was. Sure. And that's kind of been the case with Nola. Like at some point – his fluctuating ERAs and often ERAs that are too high for guys you're using a top 50 pick on. Um, at some point, it's it just that's the guy who he is. Like you, the ERA is the chances are it's not going to be a huge asset. Um, yes, he's a workhorse. He's going to get you a good number of strikeouts. I think he's going to be perfectly fine. But I'm with you that where he's being taken, I like other pitchers more. Real quick, Ryan, are you disappointed in Missouri basketball? I didn't realize that they oh have God. a conference game, man. <sighs> I, 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 Dennis Gates, their coach, has yeah. completely given back all the goodwill he earned in his first year. Should have paid um, Kobe Brown more money, man. Kept him around yes, because that guy so. obviously was a pretty big difference maker had to end with something negative towards ryan Uh, thanks so much for tuning in to the rotowire fantasy baseball podcast we want to thank fantrax again for sponsoring the show can't recommend them enough the customization stuff is just out of this world and make sure you're checking out rotowire.com go to rotowire.com slash pod get a free trial check out all the adp stuff that we were talking about check out the depth chart stuff check out all of our breaking news it's vital information as you approach your draft i don't think that is hyperbolic whatsoever you can follow me on whatever they call that website at crawford underscore milb ryan is at ryan p boyer make sure you're following all our socials as well rotowire you can just find it on every dang social website that you can thanks so much i'll be back tomorrow we're going to be doing a solo episode you're going to be sick of my voice but we're going to talk about some keeper decision a lot of you have been asking me should i keep this guy should i keep that guy I'll give you your answers and feel free to leave them in the YouTube comments. Really appreciate it. And we will talk to you tomorrow.